Welcome into the DNVR Draft Podcast presented by Illegal Pete's. Uh, I'm Henry Chisholm. I'm here with Andre Simone as always. And we have a very special guest. Oh, yes. A guest who's been out at the Senior Bowl all last week studying up and also just kind of like knows everything about football. And the Shrine Game. And the Shrine Game. That's yeah. right. He went to the Shrine Game, too, where you got to see Dante Olsen, my guy. Uh, <laughs> oh Andrew boy. Mason from DNVR Broncos is joining Andre and I today. How's it going, Mace? It's going very well. I feel like I've had this date for a while yeah. to join you guys, and things just kept happening and putting this off, but uh, we're now in the off season that isn't really an off season. I, nope. I figured out long ago in covering the sport that the regular season became the postseason, became draft season, and on and on. In fact, my, um, my wife and I, we were having a uh, a, a, a business meeting yesterday uh, outside of work, and um, she commented and said, "Yeah, I when I first met you, I thought there was an off season. There isn't. Yeah, <laughs> it's all year. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, you should put your best foot forward when you may meet your gal. Let her know. Not, yeah, not much downtime. No, <laughs> yeah, no. There's the like illusion of downtime. That can be like a perk, though. I at least that's I've been right. told by. Girls in the past that like, you know, if if there were some space or like, I was busy more of the time that things could work out just a little bit better. <laughs> and so, so I think maybe I could spin that into an advantage. There you go. Like wow. just be a little bit Love overbearing the, the like hour to you know. I don't have a girlfriend. And I don't think I'm all that close. So that's probably a bad take. Um, <laughs> the plan for today though is to talk about uh, Andre Simone's mock draft. I'm just gonna call you Andre from here on out. Um, which Makes he sense. dropped yesterday yeah and uh yes yeah but yeah yeah okay um and so we're gonna run through that first um and then from there we're gonna dig into a little bit of the senior bowl stuff because these guys saw a whole bunch of things that we didn't get to see and then we'll get into questions at the end that's kind of the plan for today uh let's just jump into it let's do it um so do you want to like explain your draft before we get in like it's not your picks no, it's, it's it's your projections. Yes, I can't wait to reveal my rankings and everything here soon. But it's my projections. It's the the vibes I'm getting. It's what I see teams targeting. It's who I see rising up boards. So I really tried to kind of make it a fresh, current state of the draft as of right now, very late January. And of course, lots will change. The the draft order isn't even set in stone because we need to play the Super Bowl on Sunday for that to happen. Yep. Mm-hmm. But um, but based on this, you're projecting the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, to I don't win know about Super that. Bowl 54. I went off the Las Vegas odds. So if that's they're fair. they're yeah. favored in Vegas. So. <laughs> All right. Yeah. And if we get a healthy Vegas, jinx, that's right. I blame <laughs> Vegas. If it works as a healthy jinx, I will take credit for it as well. So. It's a it's a double win for me, I say. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's jump in. So, first overall pick, Cincinnati Bengals. It's a hot take here. They're oh, taking yeah. Joe Burrow. Scorching hot. Who would have seen that one coming? Is there is there any chance that that isn't what happens? The Bengals getting exceptionally crazy. There is there was one interesting tweet out there from Paul Alexander, who was their longtime O line coach and still very well connected in the organization Mm -hmm. and now you can find him on twitter he's actually a really good twitter follow by the way if you want to kind of understand a lot about line play and and learn something there 
And he kind of cryptically said, hey, don't assume that Joe Burrow is the guy. They worked with Justin Herbert. They like Justin Herbert. Mm -hmm. But don't forget also, that could be sort of a smokescreen type of deal. I think ultimately when the Bengals step away from the whole process, once they've talked to Joe Burrow, and surely they will extensively over the next few months, they'll certainly have a private workout with him, that Burrow will end up being their guy. And frankly, the first two picks of this draft, of every mock draft, it's as easy a call as I can remember in all of my years doing this. I, I think you can put Joe Burrow one and Chase Young number two. I know Dre has that on his. I've got that on mine that I'm working up that I'll have on uh, the DMVR.com here in the next couple of days. And I think you can put those guys in Sharpie right now as the one-two picks in this draft. Yeah, yep. you'd have to go back to Winston Mariota, I think. But even that, even we needed you, a trade before that was official. You need a trade, and also yep. there was some question, is it going to be Mariota at the top, or is it going to be Winston? It kind of mm. went back and forth mm. for right, right. a little bit. I think my final mock, my final two mocks that year, I did one if I were the GM, and then I did what I expected. The if I were the GM mock had Mariota going first, mm-hmm. the what I expected was Winston going first. Huh. Which is and, and you were correct, barely. Is that the takeaway now? Uh, well, Mariota was the better pick. Uh, well, Boy, okay, that's the <laughs> <a> debate. <laughs> oh man, we we could time you on this. So we I don't could. Go I will say slightly. I will say Mariota slightly better. Yeah. But they're yeah. both they're, They got to the same spot in markedly different ways. Mariota mm-hmm. is the guy who, who could avoid interceptions but wouldn't take any risks. Right. And Jameis Winston, he as we saw last year, he could throw thirty five touchdowns, average a couple of touchdowns per game, but throw thirty picks. So ultimately, they're both at a pretty mediocre level, but they got there in markedly different fashions. So. Yes, as, as 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 advertised as you can get with mm-hmm. those two. And I remember, I think back to that draft class, I had Mariota, Winston, Leonard Williams, who hasn't worked out as well. Mm-hmm. Before the off-field stuff came out, I had Shane Ray and Randy Gregory ranked very highly as well. Right. So, mm-hmm. yeah, in retrospect, uh, <laughs> the, yeah, the well. rankings I had about this time of year got, well, got changed. The whole bit. thing with Shane Ray when the Broncos trade up and still got him in the 20s, I was ecstatic. So oh, hey, yeah, you're yeah. Getting a top ten edge rusher in the twenties just because mm-hmm. he you know had a he got busted for pot at the wrong time. Right. And that being said, with Shane Ray, I know some want to call him a bust. I don't because he's the injury asterisk. Yeah. He was mm-hmm. on a good trajectory mm-hmm. until that first wrist injury back on the first day of camp in twenty seventeen. That changed his outlook and changed his career destiny, unfortunately for him, mm. because I think healthy that year in 2017, he could have had double-digit sacks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. So we're set. Uh, in stone, Joe Burrow to the Bengals, number one. Chase Young, the edge rusher from Ohio State, to the Redskins, number two. Can't go wrong. Then things get interesting. Yeah. Really interesting in Dre's mock draft, where he has the Miami Dolphins taking this pick. Um, Moving up to trade with the the Lions, who have that pick at number three. Getting picks number five and 26 in exchange for pick number three. Mm-hmm. And we'll go with it. Um, and they take Justin Herbert, quarterback from Oregon. That's a little bit higher than a lot of people expect. That's ahead of Tua Tagovailoa. Yeah. That's probably the, the biggest surprise. Why did you do that? I think Herbert has some juice. Um, he looked as polished as just about any quarterback I've, I've seen at the Senior Bowl. Almost Mayfield-esque. And how flawless his performance was. 
Now, like Mayfield, lacking some of the flashes that I'd like to see from a top quarterback prospect, but he didn't need to show the flashes. He needed to do exactly that. Uh, Now, the thing is Miami. Miami's a team that's going to be patient, has has a long-term view on this. I think they might be a little more open to taking that Tua injury risk. I think a lot of other teams, though, Herbert might be sneaking up that board as the second quarterback taking. It was neck and neck. I gave Herbert the edge as we stand here on January 30th. Okay. What do you think, Mason? I've got the Lions standing pat. I tend to not do many trades in my mm-hmm. mock drafts. I'm very conservative on calling that because those are really difficult to predict. Yeah, It does make sense, but I think Miami ultimately settles on Tua. Mm-hmm. They've done more homework on him over the last year or so. It's not that they're not studying Justin Herbert thoroughly now, but uh, they've vetted Tua Tagovailoa pretty deeply at this point. And like Dre said, it's an organization that they're thinking long-term. They're thinking, where are we in 21? Where are we in 22? Right. So they could afford to roll the dice on Tua even if he's not ready in 2020. And my, I wouldn't say guess, I'd say just kind of assumption and uh, what I'm hearing is that maybe Tua's not ready for everything in the offseason, but Tua could be ready at some point in the regular season. And and the Dolphins, in, in that case, would also likely have another top 10 pick next year. So if for some reason you didn't think that Tua was on the right track, for whatever mm-hmm. reason, you could jump right back in and take another quarterback. And that's the joy of that all that draft yeah. capital they've built up over the last uh, year plus is that you can actually afford to take a swing and a miss and have another shot to get that quarterback. Mm-hmm. And you could, and maybe maybe not even in 2021 if they really play the long-term game, could be even be talking about 2022 if uh, they give to a couple of years and uh, maybe they're in the Sam Howell sweepstakes by then. Yeah, we, we can just oh. a, we can just assume that the Dolphins are going to be bad <laughs> going forward and can keep <laughs> taking shots until they miss one. Um, what do you think of Justin Herbert, though? You know, Dre and I have talked a lot about not being in love with him, not liking him at, you know, number three. What are your thoughts? I worry he's another Blake Bortles. Yep. Okay. Yep. That's the comp I come back to. It's kind of a scary comp. He's, you know, they have the same level of mobility. There's a lot of uh, first read stuff with him. Clearly has all the, you know, the tools, but you also question kind of the leadership. Mm-hmm. Does he have that certain elan that you have to possess? This is going beyond the data. I'm mainly a data guy, of course, but uh, quarterback, you need something more than that. And I haven't really seen that yeah. from Justin Herbert to this point. And that's why I'm kind of cool on him as a top-five-level quarterback prospect, just as I was cool on Blake Bortles when he came out of UCF. Yeah. Okay. I think that makes sense. Uh, Number four, uh, Dre has Mm. the Giants taking Isaiah Simmons, the linebacker from Clemson. Yep. Hybrid defender. I think it'll be hard for some teams to pass him up. Dave Gettleman and Carolina, of course, had a lot of success drafting a few uh, competent coverage linebackers like – Luke Keekley and Shaq Thompson. Well, actually, he didn't draft Keekley. That was a Marty. That Hardy. was pre. That was a Marty pre Gettleman. Yep. So Shaq Thompson, who I think yeah. is the most obvious comp to Simmons. Now, of course, he fit that defense that they've had and has had so much success with Ron Rivera and Sean McDermott moving mm-hmm. on, and then uh, who was the Arizona coach a year ago? Who Steve then got Wilkes. Steve yep. Wilkes. I mean, that's a a tree, a coaching tree that kept producing. Of course, the Giants famously haven't drafted a linebacker in almost two decades. 
in the first round. Um, but I think Simmons is the kind of guy who could break that mold, especially because they're kind of set at defensive tackle, which was my other consideration was Derek Brown. But, you know, they just tried to trade it for Leonard Williams. We'll see what happens with that. Uh, so, yeah, I penciled in Simmons, who admittedly is one of the harder top prospects to find a perfect fit for in that top 12 picks or so where he should be going. And and he was a guy who, before the national championship, a lot of people were thinking he could slip to the Broncos. Mm-hmm. That seems pretty unlikely at this point, and you have him going number four. Like you said, he, he fits nowhere but also everywhere. Yep. And and that versatility just means that he really could land at pretty much any one of these spots. Mace, do you think that that rise like from the post national championship is deserved or is that just an overreaction? I think it's deserved. I think he deserves to be in the top 5, top 7 conversation even if you take out what he did in the postseason. Yeah. It's it's all there on the film. The interesting thing with Isaiah Simmons for whatever team ends up drafting him is it's not just that he's somebody that you can move around but when you have somebody like this it means everybody else is having to move around and shift their roles and that's why there are going to be some teams that look at Isaiah Simmons and say well there's too much that we have to do to fit him in but he's a unicorn yeah Mm -hmm. you find if you're smart you find a way to make Isaiah Simmons work I mean Mm -hmm. I doubt he drops to 15 but let's say in some fantasy realm he's sitting there at number 15, yeah, you'd have to kind of change how you use your safeties, especially, and you've invested a lot in the safeties if you're the Broncos because by then you've probably got Justin Simmons either to a contract extension or on the franchise tag playing right. at north of $12 million a year. And, of course, you have Kareem Jackson coming back. But you, if you dr- had a chance to get Isaiah Simmons, you find a way to make that work. The question is, will the Giants do that? Yeah. And even though they appear to have settled defensive line, Dave Gettleman has a big thing for guys in the trenches. He tends to overdraft guys on the defensive line. I also would not rule out wide receiver here, even though there's a lot of depth at the position, and that's why you could see some receivers falling. It's Daniel Jones' team. Do you try to get Daniel Jones a wide receiver one? And if that's the case, I think the guy they would look at here would be Jerry Judy. But if Jerry Judy doesn't go here, I could see him falling. Okay. Yeah, my thinking was also Joe Judge comes from the Belichick-Saban school. Those are two two coaches that really know how to use versatile linebackers and have shown the value. So that was also my thinking. But, yeah, the Giants is kind of where the draft starts in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. Number five now, uh, the Lions have this right. pick because of the trade with the Dolphins. Right. And they take Jeffrey Okuda, the cornerback from Ohio State. Um, One of the more obvious um, – fits I think in the early going of the draft Patricia kind of needs that Stephon Gilmore to make his defense work that's how they tried to play this year they almost beat the Chiefs playing that way but they didn't have the corners for it you add someone like that all of a sudden you you start to have some of the pieces to implement that scheme they they I think Okuda is number one on on their board relative to their needs the question is if they stand pat at three could they take Okuda Right. I huh. think they could well take him at three. I think this is mm-hmm. one of those situations where if the Lions trade down a little bit, they should be able to still get their guy, and that's why they're going to be open for business. All right. Yeah. Uh, number six, the Chargers take Tua Tagovailoa, the quarterback from Alabama. Scary proposition for Broncos fans. Yep. Scary proposition. Because if Tua gets healthy, 
watch out. I'd rather see Justin Herbert oh. as a Charger from the Bronco oh. perspective. Oh, yeah. Uh, Justin Herbert, maybe I'll regret saying this, he doesn't scare me mm-hmm. if he pans out. Mm-hmm. Tua scares me. Yes. And the notion of a division with Tua and Patrick Mahomes <laughs> yeah. for four games a year, then you'd better hope that Drew Locke is the guy because oh, other, otherwise God. you might be – like Tampa Bay for much of the 2010s, looking around the NFC South and staring at teams that all have MVP quarterbacks in Matt Ryan, Cam Newton, and Drew Brees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. So hopefully, it does not happen from a Broncos perspective. And and you're comfortable with this range then, Mace, for Tua, mm-hmm. even with the injuries, because he is kind of controversial. The number one coming into this, and now could slip. Yeah, but. If he's number one overall and he's a quarterback, he's not going to drop that far. And presumably the one thing that he would lose because of this injury or lose a little bit would be mobility. And that's well and good, but he's still got the arm talent. Mm -hmm. He still has the leadership. He still has the intelligence, all the things that you're looking for. So maybe I'm not okay taking him number one based on the risk, but when you get to pick three, four, five, six – I think the risk-reward ratio is fine. Yeah. Okay. Uh, number seven now, the Panthers. And Dre has them taking Derek Brown, the defensive tackle from Auburn. Such a very Panthers uh, pick to make, despite all the changes in that front office. Value's too good to pass up. I really, the more I look at this draft class, I kind of feel like Chase Young, Derek Brown are the two elite talents in this class. Huh. And, yeah, I don't see Brown dropping much further than, th- than this, as I wrote in the mock. The Panthers are playing that long, long-term game, much like the Dolphins, and they can take advantage of that, just take the best player available as they try to fill out the rest of the roster and find their quarterback of the future. I went back and forth on this. Right now I've got them taking Andrew Thomas, and I could mm. go either way. Mm-hmm. Uh, bo- both lines are massive needs for Carolina. They could pick any offensive lineman here. They could trade down and get Tristan Wirfs potentially. Right. And, they could be filling a need. Their, their own line is a mess right now. And playing the long game means that they could use this year an above-average year for offensive line and maybe go heavy on that. Maybe you're looking for two or three starters on the O-line that you develop from this draft class. And then perhaps in 2021, if they don't have the answer at quarterback on their roster, they can get the quarterback and put him behind what they would anticipate to be a blossoming offensive line. Okay. Do, you, oh, do you think right now for Carolina, at, behind center, it'll be one of the guys they already have on the roster, so Kyle Allen or Cam Newton? I would expect that. I think uh, Kyle Allen, I don't know if he's a great prospect, but mm-hmm. I think you saw enough of him to where if Cam Newton isn't ready to go, right. you can put him out there, see where he yeah. goes for another season. But again, they're playing the long game. It, David Tepper, their owner, on the day he fired Ron Rivera, uh, did a couple of interviews and made the point that it's got to be about the process and getting it right. They just gave Matt Rule a seven-year contract that says, hey, we're playing the long game in the rebuild. I think it's the right thing for Carolina to do, but this could be a very painful 2020. Yeah. Dre made one other comment that I was interested in your take in. He said that Derek Brown and Chase Young, he thinks are the two elite talents. In this class, what do you think of that? At any position or just on the defensive side? Any position. So you're not saying Isaiah Simmons? I yeah. got I got to put Isaiah Simmons in that class. Yeah, I Simmons. think so too. Yeah. Um, 
I've just mm. I love Shaq Thompson so much. I loved Miles Jack so much, who kind of fit those same molds. And they've been great NFL players. They haven't been elite. So I've I've maybe been burned just a little, and that's why I'm I'm slightly reluctant on Simmons, more because I don't trust every team to pick him and use him the right the way. The other guy, I even though I've got Andrew Thomas as my first offensive lineman off the board here, Tristan Wirfs is my O lineman one in part because I think. Once the team finds the spot for him, left tackle, right tackle, he could even swing inside. Yeah, I think he's going to blossom into an all-pro. Yeah, I'm with huh. him. Okay, uh, the eighth pick, the Arizona Cardinals take a guy we've been talking about, Andrew Thomas, the left tackle from Georgia. Draft plays out great. This would be, if the Broncos really wanted to move out, this would be one of those first spots you start to think of because in this mock, no receiver, no tackle has been taken. You have the mm-hmm. the luxury of picking the best available Kingsbury worries me here. Hard to predict, but I'm going with the tackle, the sound choice, though I think Cliff might even be tempted by one of these receivers, especially uh, C.D. Lamb, who he played against in the Big 12, and Kyler Murray uh, knows all too well. I've still got Derek Brown on my board. I think this is where he ends up because mm, I don't think he drops any further than Arizona. It's a defense that needs help at all three levels. Look, if Isaiah, Tom- if Isaiah Simmons is on the board here, I think they go for Isaiah Simmons. It, Vance Joseph's unit needs a lot of talent yep. right now. It's a mess, yep. personnel-wise. It may pain Cliff Kingsbury a little bit, but mm-hmm. this needs to be a draft that's focused on the defensive side for the Cardinals because they couldn't they couldn't stop anybody last year. The way this draft has fallen, with Chase Young gone, Isaiah Simmons gone, Okuda gone, and then Derek Brown gone, who is the defensive guy you think they could look for here instead of Thomas? For Arizona? For Arizona. Well, if Derek Brown is gone... Yeah, and if Simmons is gone, mm-hmm. oh man, I think at that point they start looking, thinking about Javon Kinlaw. Yeah, you do. Kinlaw's best player available. Like he's on the, the next defensive, defensive guy yeah. right is. there. And again, a- Arizona can literally pick almost any defensive player and fill a need, except edge rusher. That huh. that is a talent deficient unit right now. Yeah, yeah, it's Chandler they need Jones. So much nobody help. basically there. Yeah. All right, uh, moving along to number nine, the Jaguars. Uh, Dre has them taking C.D. Lamb, the receiver from Oklahoma. Yeah, I think with Jay Gruden, uh, they're paying a lot at quarterback, trying to figure out is Minshew their guy. And, you know, Lamb would compliment someone like D.J. Chark so nicely that the pick just made sense. I also think he's he's the best receiver in this wide receiver class. I've got receiver, but I've got Jerry Judy going to Jacksonville. So similar thought pattern, just I think – you're looking for a good wide receiver one there. He, DJ Chark, I think, is more of a wide receiver two. Mm-hmm. Uh, Judy, that all-around talent, I think he and who can step in day one. Don't forget the Jaguars. The, they brought Doug Marone back, but th- this is a team that there's a lot of pressure on that coaching staff, on that administration to win right now, to mm-hmm. get something out of this team. Oh, yeah. I think Jerry Judy helps them right away. All right. I like that take. Uh, tenth, uh, the Cleveland Browns is Jedrick Wills Jr., the right tackle from Alabama. Yeah, they need offensive tackle. They really couldn't go wrong with any of the three top guys left. I went with Wills, who I just think the NFL um, is valuing really highly, and I could see the Browns going. What's interesting is how much of a say will this offensive scheme have 
how much will that zone blocking influence because then Tristan Wirfs might be the pick here. Yeah, and I think Wirfs could be there. I have them going Jedrick Wills right now, mm-hmm. as you do. Um, before they committed to Kevin Stefanski and the zone blocking-based scheme, I thought that uh, Makai Becton could mm-hmm. have been a really good fit, mm-hmm. but he does not fit the template of offensive tackle they're looking for. Just a, a big, massive mound of humanity. Right. That's not what you want as a zone-blocking left tackle. You want somebody who's got a bit more agility, a little a little bit more live, and Wills fits the bill. Yeah. All right. Uh, so these last few picks, uh, it's been left tackle, wide receiver, right tackle, and then at number 11, the Jets are taking uh, Mekhi Becton, who's also a tackle. And these are some positions that the Broncos are interested in. Yeah. It's kind of a tough stretch. It, it gets rough from like 8 to 14 with uh, targets for the Broncos because, yeah, there's just so much talent. It wasn't going to drop too long. Um, the Jets are desperate for a tackle. Becton's upside is just infinite um again maybe not a perfect fit in that case offense but a good enough fit where i i think they can't pass up i think it's going to be tackle or wide receiver right now i've got him going becton but let's say that none of the wide receivers are off the board by this point and the jets can take their pick and get the top wide receiver in the draft class that might be hard for them to turn down yeah judy's still available for example and becton's been rising a lot uh yeah he was not seen (laughs) the same way just a few months ago Mm, but but he's a behemoth like six eight three sixty five something like that playing tackle Mm -hmm. and he moves he like moves well he moves he moves well but he doesn't move as well as say a 310 315 pound guy, right. but he moves like a 335 pound. That's impressive, tackle, right. which is impressive. I mean, 369 says that he yep. may end up playing at like 375 <laughs> even, which is crazy yeah, to insane. think. He's just a huge mass of humanity, like I said. I can't wait to see what his wingspan comes in at the combine. Seriously. That's going to be the size know. of this. Who's going to have the bigger wingspan, Alex Taylor or Makai Becton? Ooh, great question. Alex Taylor's got the 88-inch wingspan. (laughs) Yikes. Yikes. Ooh. Okay. Uh, The 12th pick now, the Vegas Raiders. Yeah. Dre has him going Jerry Judy. Another position the Broncos are interested in. Receiver from Alabama, of course. About as far as he can drop, (laughs) um, you know. Pretty nice for for the Raiders to the Antonio Brown experiment never worked out. You're probably upgrading with Judy, who in a lot of ways I compare to Brown without any of the off-field headaches, of course. Well, I've got Judy no, not on the board, but C.D. Lamb is still sitting there. I think that's the direction in which the Raiders go. Yeah, another pick you do not like to see division rivals take because ugh, adding Tua and Judy to the division, yeah, not fun. It's kind of been interesting following this receiver debate because before the season it was pretty clear that Jerry Judy was the guy mm-hmm. and even through most of the season but now we're seeing CD Lamb overtake him occasionally where do you guys stand on those two as prospects they're neck and neck for me fourth and fifth best prospects on my board um, after Brown Young Burrow and Lamb has the slightest edge just because the the physical traits play up just a little more I think C.D. Lamb's got the better ver- vertical speed, but Judy is the better all-around guy. Mm-hmm. And one thing that happens when we get removed from the season and we start focusing on attributes rather than film, I like Jerry Judy's film a little bit more mm-hmm. than C.D. Lamb's. So I'm yep. going. So Judy's my wide receiver one. 
All right. Uh, 13th now, the Colts take Jordan Love, the quarterback from Utah State. Yeah, I could see Frank Reich and the Colts uh, kind of taking this gamble. They've added draft capital through the years, but now they're kind of in a spot where they need to make this gamble. We've seen Reich make it work with guys like Nick Foles, Andrew Luck, Jacoby Brissett, Carson Wentz. He, he'll have a plan for love and try to make that work. This is a potential trade-down spot, I think. I'm not sure they go with Jordan Love. I think this is a, a pick we're going to have a better feel for after we get into free agency mm-hmm. because they could be in the yes. Tom Brady, Derek Carr, Jameis Winston, Andy Dalton discussion. There, there could be some musical chairs yeah. of veteran quarterbacks, and I could see the Colts picking one of those guys, and if that's – in free agency, if that's the case, then I think Jordan Love is off their board. So right now, I have, I have the uh, the Colts bolstering their edge, taking AJ Epinesa from Iowa. Ooh, I, I like it. It's a good pick. Premium position, get it, you upgrade and pair him with uh, Darius Leonard. You also got in that front seven. You're going to cause some problems. Yeah, I think so. Fourteenth uh, now, the last pick before the Broncos. Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, according to Dre, take Javon Kinlaw, the defensive lineman from South Carolina. This is really according to Mace, who then told Dre, and then Dre put Kinlaw. Because <laughs> <laughs> no one knows the Bucks better they than They love Mace. Some, them some Javon Kinlaw right now. Now yeah. it could change over the next three months, mm-hmm. um, but Kinlaw makes a lot of sense. Uh, it's a defense that got better, could still use a little bit more push uh, coming from up front. Yeah. You put Javon Kinlaw next to Vita Vea, who really came on right. at nose tackle last year, and uh, of course what they've got at uh, at linebacker as well. Yeah, that defense could actually cause teams a lot of problems. Tampa Bay is kind of the, if they get the quarterback position right there with with Kinlaw coming in. If this is the pick, they're a sneaky candidate to break out and win 10, 11 games next year. I did see a mock that had them taking Jacob Eason. Which, of course, would be high, but he also fits that vertical Arians offense. and Be rich for me, but we'll see, we'll see how his stock fluctuates in the next couple He months. wants a quarterback that can push it down the field. That's yeah. why I think there was a lot of reason to believe at this time last year that Bruce Arians would be the best thing that happened to Jameis Winston. Mm-hmm. But just the mistakes were too great. And yep. I think uh, that's another reason why you hear the rumors connecting Tampa Bay to Phillip Rivers is that uh, – Rivers, yeah, he still throws interceptions. Not the same rate as Jameis Winston, but he has the vertical game in him. And also just putting two and two together and recognizing what Bruce Arians did with Carson Palmer late in his career, giving him that end-of-career renaissance. And uh, if Phillip Rivers is in play, I think Arians could do the same thing for him. And if that happens and they get improvement at quarterback again, Tampa Bay could be that sneaky team that we're all sleeping on, but ends up being a tough matchup. And, of course, they're on the Broncos' schedule this coming year for a game in Denver. Yeah, that's fun. All right. I think um, perfect spot to take a break here. You think so? Oh, you, you yeah. Right Tease before? It. Tease it. Do okay, it. Okay, well, when we come back from this break, we're going to tell you who the Broncos pick and probably talk about that quite a bit. Um, but first, we want to tell you about our good friends at Breckenridge Brewery who just released a new beer Oh yeah, called the Mile High City Beer. They partnered with the Nuggets to make it. It's so good. I had my first one last night. I'm a fan. Uh, Dre, have you had one yet? I haven't. I've been uh. I've been working while you guys drank that. Um, so yeah, you have. So, That's but it sounds like a pretty yummy lager, though. Yeah, it's really good. Um, I famously don't have 
a great palate when it comes to beer. Mm. Basically, I just drink it and either like it or I don't. I can't really get into the specifics. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed that beer. I'm excited to have a few more at the watch party tonight for the Nuggets game at 5:30 at Stoney's Uptown. Where there, there's like a Breckenridge thing, we're like dropping a new shirt. Should be a blast. It's Hopefully, amazing. I'll see some of you guys out there. Um, love Breckenridge Brewery. Also, want to tell you about Green Mountain Dental. Um, They'll give you a sono care if you just show up and make an appointment with they them. They totally will. That's all it takes. A free Sonicare toothbrush when you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam. Um, that's all you have to do. You just have to show up, and they'll give it to you for free. Check them out today online or call 303-988-0711 to schedule your appointment today. Booyah. All, all right. right. 15th pick. Let's do it. Denver Broncos are on the clock. Yeah. Some big names here still. Mm-hmm. You know, we've been talking a lot about Henry Ruggs, LaVisca Chenault, uh, Here's Tristan. what Dre has. Dre Tristan has Wirfs, baby. Tristan Wirfs, the tackle from Iowa. Yeah. Uh, why? I think the upside's too enticing. I think they'd be uh, doing somersaults if he dropped because... Uh, I'm picturing John Elway doing a somersault <laughs> right now. <laughs> <That'd be amazing. laughs> With Vic Fangio. I think Mike Munchak is doing somersaults. Yeah. Oh, wow. And if, if, if Wirfs th- should be doing somersaults that he can get coached by Munchak. Like, it's yes. just such a perfect yes. marriage. Yeah. So there you go. It allows that Pat Shermer offense to really unlock because now you have a pass protector who can allow you to really go uh, big play hunting and attack vertically a little more. It's just a perfect fit to me. Ruggs was very much in consideration. At the end of the day, I like that receiver depth enough to where the Broncos can wait. Wirfs was too good to pass up. You can plug and play him at guard while Bowles and Juwan James start next year, and then in 2021, he's your one of your starting tackles. I hate to agree because oh. it makes for a less-than-stellar <laughs> debate, but based on how the board fell, it came down to rugs and Wirfs for me, and I can't pass up the, the upside on Tristan Wirfs and the flexibility on him because yes. there's a chance that Garrett Bowles or Jawan James could be back in 2021, but you don't know which one at this point because you know now if they pick Tristan Wirfs then they probably don't pick up the fifth year option on Garrett Bowles uh-huh. for 2021. Do you think that's still in consideration? I think the re- they're keeping it open until May because it is entirely because they want to see how the draft board falls. And mm-hmm. if they have a future plan at left tackle coming out of the draft, then Garrett Bowles does not get the fifth year option. If they don't find it in the draft, then they give they pick up the option. They're waiting as long as possible on this, and why not? Yes, you've got till May. Take your time, figure it out. No need to commit now. Worfs being on the team means you're probably not picking up the fifth year option. It doesn't mean the book is closed for Garrett Bowles because you can get out of Jawan James's contract after 2020 pretty easily. But it just it it certainly it basically means that you're looking at your tackles and saying okay. Garrett or Jawan, one of you is not back in 2021. Tristan Wirfs is going to be starting there. And in the interim, you plug him in at guard. And that's one of the reasons why, in some ways, he's the most attractive of these top four offensive linemen this year because he has the versatility and technical ability to go inside and play there for a year and still bring you good value because in this day and age, you got to get your first-round pick on the field right away. Worfs being there. If Andrew Thomas or Jedrick Wills were the tackles here, I probably would have gone for Ruggs 
just mm-hmm. because I don't know that either of them have the same capability to go inside, but yeah. I have confidence that Tristan Wirfs can go swing inside and play guard. So he's the guy. Like it. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Um, and this is where my mock draft, how, how far I've worked, stopped. So. Oh, right on. <laughs> makes sense. Love it. I'll get the All rest right. later. I'll give you some tips then. Moving on to number 16, the Atlanta Falcons take AJ Epinesa. Um, he's a guy who we didn't talk about in that discussion, though I think we probably should have, right? He could fit. Uh, they've they've liked uh, defensive ends like Epinesa before. I mean, in in a lot of ways, he's a rich man's uh, Gotsis or even Derek Wolf. Uh, what he did towards the end of the season was really impressive. Um, I think he's getting undervalued quite a bit, but it's hard to find a fit because he's more of a five tech than a true edge. And he was so you need the right scheme, and you know Atlanta plays that four man front, but that big left defensive end Michael Bennett style almost makes it work like a three-man front. Mm. And that's where I think Epinesa is a really nice fit. And he's a guy who had a lot of hype coming into this season, too. Oh, yeah. like He wasn't supposed to be around at this point. Oh, yeah. He was more hype than Worfs, for example. It yeah. took him a while to get going, though. Of course, yes. he had eight sacks and four forced fumbles in the last five games. Really Not bad. tore it up down the stretch. A little bit of a slow starter this year, mm. so... I don't think you're terribly concerned about that because a lot of his production came against some of the better teams on the schedule, of course, against oh, yeah. SC at a two and a half sacks, against oh. Minnesota at two and a half sacks. Man, our guy Austin Jackson struggled with Epinesa's power. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, let's move on to number 17. The Dallas Cowboys take Xavier McKinney, the defensive back from Alabama. The more tape I watch of him, the more I see his versatility. Kind of an under-the-radar guy who might – might have caught Vic Fangio's eye, for example, Xavier McKinney. I really think he's in firm contention to be the second defensive back taken, maybe more of a natural fit than Byron Jones ever was in this scheme. And with losing Byron Jones, they're going to have a huge hole back there they're going, that they're not going to be able to fill in free agency. So I would be surprised if the Cowboys do something other than take a cornerback here the mm-hmm. way this board is falling. But you remember, I, I wasn't always super high on him. I've really started yeah. to come around as I see all the various ways in which they were able to use him at Alabama. All right. Uh, Number 18, the Miami Dolphins uh, take Calevon Chasson, the edge defender from LSU. Yeah, roll the dice on upside uh, versatility. I think he'd work well in that defense, and you can't go, uh, you know, Tua and Chasson, not a bad draft for Miami. Wish he were a bit more productive. I'm Mm -hmm. not a fan of him right now at this spot, I think. He'll still make it into the first round, but uh, I'm kind of cool on his prospects. Yeah, he's a tough one to peg. That's what Dre and I were saying about most of that LSU defense. A a lot of those guys, Grant Delpit, uh, Christian Fulton, Mm -hmm. a lot of guys there who have a lot of hype who we aren't as high on. Long term, the best pro out of that defense is going to be Derek Stingley. Yeah. But he's Uh, another couple of years from coming out. Yeah, 2020. Yeah, Yeah. interesting. And, of course, anytime you see a non-productive, super-talented Edge rusher from LSU, you always worry he's another Burkavius Mingo. Bingo. Yep. Bingo, right. Mingo. Bingo, Mingo. Yep. <laughs> uh, number 19, the Raiders again. They take Kenneth Murray, linebacker from Oklahoma. He's a stud. The more tape I watch of his, he really is jumping up my board. Solid first-round grade for him at this point. Raw in coverage, but has all the mobility to be a really high-end cover linebacker and he's outstanding sideline to sideline or coming downhill i i think john gruden may look at murray and see a bigger version of Derek brooks and have some Ooh. flashbacks and Ooh. fall in love mm. yeah 
Do you think he could be in the conversation for the Broncos? Man, depends what they do in free agency. If they're a- okay. if the Broncos are able to check off all the items on their shopping list in free agency and have a starting 22 plus nickelback, three number 3 receiver, etc., that they feel good about, they can be in position to take Murray. I don't think they're going to be able to get enough of the items crossed off to where they can do that. But he's intriguing. Uh, that said, if it's Werfs or Murray, I got to go with Werfs. Got to yeah. get you know, got to get tackle shored up for yeah. the long term. But uh, Murray's intriguing. Do you think Vic Fangio really meant that he liked Roquan Smith than either either of the Devins last year, or was that just? No, I think he really meant it. I think Vic Fangio. The thing to know about him is he has a very high standard for linebackers. Yeah, no kidding. And part of it is think about what he came into the league coaching his first NFL job in New Orleans. He gets he gets Sam Mills, Vaughn Johnson. Pat Swilling and Hall of Famer Ricky Jackson. Sam Mills is a Hall of Fame finalist now. It's arguably, actually, I wouldn't even say arguably. It I is, think it is. It yes. is the best 3-4 linebacker core in NFL history. He measures who he has against those guys. And yeah. sometimes it's an impossible standard. Right. And I think in inside linebackers in particular, someone who kind of played well above his size, well above anything that the, uh, the measurables revealed was Sam Mills. And that is a tough standard to meet. But that's sort of how Vic Fangio sees it. Right. Can't blame him for that, but... Uh, it's I a think high standard. He's also... He, I think he's higher... Or I think, pardon me, he's harder on inside linebackers than any other position in, that he evaluates. So back to Murray, I'd have a hard time for Vic, you know, when he has those high standards, being like, yeah, Murray's the pickup 50. Huh. Okay. Uh, number 20 now, Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, Noah... Igbonogini. Igbonogini. I said that wrong. Uh, cornerback from Auburn. Yeah, rising rapidly up boards. I had fun with the second half of this mock. He might be the best pure corner after Okuda. We just haven't talked about him a lot because that Auburn defense, the front dominated the conversation. But, you know, you watch his tape against the top guys in the SEC. He really held his own track speed, aggressive, kind of checks off all the boxes. I see him rapidly rising up the board. I think I even considered him at 19 for the Raiders. It would make kind of a lot of sense symbolically. This is the pick, of course, they got in exchange for Jalen Ramsey yeah. to replace him with a corner. They uh, they may be hoping that Xavier McKinney drops mm. to them. Mm. Yeah. But this isn't a bad consolation prize. All right. Uh, number 21, the Eagles take Henry Ruggs III, the receiver from Alabama. Yeah, and that offense, he can kind of be what Tyreek Hill is for the Chiefs. He'd open up space for Ertz and Alshon. A easy pick if he were to drop. Yeah, you need somebody with speed, and he can kind of go underneath, but he can get deep down the field as well. Makes a lot of sense. Uh, the Eagles, the way they're structured, they're going to be tight end heavy. Their two yeah. tight end set with Ertz and Goddard is right. basically their base package. Speed that Henry Ruggs brings complements nicely with yeah. those big targets. All right. Uh, number 22, the Bills take T. Higgins, the receiver from Clemson. Yeah, they found speed at receiver last year, but they don't have size. And since Josh Allen isn't always the most accurate, you more size you have, the more margin for error he has. Higgins would be a perfect fit. And there's always that Clemson to Buffalo connection that Rex Ryan started way back when. I think this is also where you could be talking about LaVisca Chanel going mm -hmm. off the board, especially mm -hmm. Buffalo has shown some creativity tactically. And uh, you see that they've gotten something out of Isaiah McKenzie, for example, that the Broncos 
couldn't get. They like to have unique weapons in their fold that they can uh, move move around quite a bit. And uh, I could see the Bills getting excited about seeing LaVisca there potentially and uh, biting on him at 22. You should put that in your mock because now I'm thinking of an RPO of Josh Allen potentially running <laughs> or throwing a little screen to LaVisca. That would yeah. be dynamic. Well, LaVisca wants own. to be playing more halfback too. He said it. Well, and he's been posting the clips, and I mean, it's he can it's, do it. He's a big guy. What what do you think of him, Mace? Like, where do you see him as a prospect? Do the injuries scare you away? The injuries are only the only thing that scare me about him, and that's why if I'm the Broncos at 15, I'm not taking him. The risk reward okay. isn't quite there for a receiver at 15. I think it's more right in the 20s. Let's say the Broncos decide Lavisca is our guy. Mm-hmm. Then in that case, you're you taking calls. Down. Yeah. And you're looking to trade down and maybe pick up another second round pick because there is such value in this draft from about from basically from pick twenty on down to pick like eighty. Mm-hmm. And huh. it, uh, there's no reason if Lavisca's your guy, there's no reason not to move down and get more picks in that range and help yourself out in multiple ways. Yeah. With the new scheme, do you think he'd fit in Denver? I is mean, it better or worse than before? He's not Diggs Thielen. Um, I, I think he would have made more sense if you're trying to recreate the Niners offense and have a lot of yak weapons, right? He would be like a juiced-up version of a Debo Samuel, essentially. So, no, he doesn't make as much sense in Shermer's scheme, but he's kind of the Isaiah Simmons of the offense, where it's like, you're the pro. If you don't know how to make LaVisca Chenault work, you're the problem. He isn't. Yep. All right, uh, number 23, the Patriots take Marlon Davidson, defensive end from Auburn. Big riser. Don't love him as an edge rusher, but showed up at over 290 pounds at the Senior Bowl, had a dominant first day of practice with super short shorts. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Important stuff. It was funny like to that. watch those clips that you yeah. sent me, Mason, be like, boy, this guy's shorts were really short. Um, but anyways, I think in their defense, he works as a Trey Flowers, strong edged run defender in base defense, and then sub-packages, you swing them inside, and there he does have the hands, the quickness, the size to really be affect quarterbacks um, as an interior rusher. So I think Belichick could really make him work. A lot of directions the Patriots could go in oh, here yeah. as well. I mean, so this many. Is, and let's say, for example, I've, I've still got Jordan Love uh, potentially on my board into the 20s right. as I, make, as I right. make this, and uh, that could be somebody the Patriots uh, take a look at. Mm-hmm. It's wide open here. Absolutely. Okay, number 24, another riser. Uh, Patrick Queen, the linebacker from LSU, goes to the Saints. Similar profile to Murray, super athlete. Maybe more polished than coverage, but needs to shore up some of his tackling in space. Uh, But the big riser, and uh, he might... This this might be on the low side for him if you look at a lot of mocks that have come out in the last couple weeks. Hmm. Could see them going interior offensive line as well. Yes, that would make sense. I, I considered... Some guys. Off the top of my head, I think I, I, I haven't completed the back half of my mock, but I've uh, been thinking Tyler Biotish here, give him another Wisconsin mm. line. And they had a lot of success with the last one. They picked Ryan Ramchek. Oh, oh man. It would break my heart a little bit. Yeah. Mm. Uh, or maybe even Lloyd Cushenberry pushes in here, the local kid, for them. Well, Dre has Lloyd Cushenberry going number 25 to the Vikings with the next pick. Yeah, they did go Bradbury last year, but Cushenberry has the length, size, athleticism to play in that scheme, even at guard. That would give him a dominant pairing in the middle of that offensive line. I could see them going tackle here as well. Um, I think Josh Jones is a possibility Josh here Jones. out of Houston. Yes, yes. So 
One of our senior bowl standouts, mm-hmm. though, would yep. fit very nicely. Why did you pick Cushionberry over Biatish? I think he's more athletic, and I think that's that just you value that more. Uh, Biatish, I wonder if he's got that that flexibility. I watched that Ohio State tape, and I'm mm, I wonder. They I pushed wonder that. They pushed at him a little bit, but uh, you know, he comes from a program where they ask a lot of their center. He's ex- he's yeah. extremely intelligent. Yeah. Uh, uh, basically, another quarterback on the offensive line. Not that Cushionberry doesn't have that in him, but I think Biotish is at a little bit of a higher level there. I think either way, with both Biotish and Cushionberry, you're talking about potential 10-year starters mm-hmm. at center. And because of that, that's why they may not go in the first round, but I think they ought to be in the first round conversation. Yeah, But right. right now, I feel like Cush is the one whose stock is hot. He's got momentum right now. Right, so I wanted that to be reflected in the mock. I could know. see Biotish kind of pushing once he get out of the get out of the combine, mm-hmm. and teams start meeting with him. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, number twenty six now, the Lions in the trade from the Dolphins. Right, uh, take Lavisca Chenault, receiver from Colorado. I think even if this was still the Lions, uh, Visca could easily have been the pick here. Yeah, maybe not their biggest need, but you pair him with Hawkinson, Galladay. All of a sudden, Matthew Stafford would have some real options on offense, and this could be a nice fit. Also, I just feel like this is kind of this is the range for Visca, right? Uh, we didn't mention him in, in the New Orleans pick. I could see him fitting there. I could see him fit even in the Patriots pick. Uh, Buffalo, we talked about. So even New Orleans. Uh, yep. You know, so. This is the range where where Visca could really start to. Play. A lot of directions Miami could go here. This is one of the more if if Miami uh, does trade down and has this pick, this is a or keeps the pick. Pardon me. This this is a wide open spot for yeah. the Dolphins. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, number twenty seven. The Seahawks take Josh Uche. Yeah, the edge from Michigan. Watch this guy's tape. Really gave worse fits. Really gave no one exposed wills quite the way Josh Uche did. Then he comes out the senior bowl, has a great week, was dominant in the game. I mean, those offenses couldn't do anything against those edge rushers, sadly, because some of those top offensive tackles weren't healthy come game time. And the Seahawks are always one of the hardest teams for me to predict. I could see him being what they thought Bruce Irvin would be when they drafted him out of West Virginia way back when. Bruce Irvin, an athletic edge, Mm -hmm. made me think about a guy like Zach Bond here. Zach Bond Someone who fit. doesn't really have a specific fit. You're moving him around because he can rush the passer, but he also can stand up and work in coverage. But he's the type of player the Seahawks tend to maximize. Yeah. And they part of it is also guessing on the Seahawks. They make some fascinating picks. Yeah, they go off the reservation. Right. They don't care about groupthink. They don't care about anyone else's rankings. They care about their evaluation. Their, their board is... The outlier yeah. in the NFL year after year. And aside from the failure to really develop a good offensive line, it's hard to argue with how productive it's been for them yes. at other positions, especially on the defensive side mm-hmm. over the years, because they've managed to, you know, consider what they've lost in the secondary, you know, losing at least two Hall of Famers really over the last few years, the entire Legion of Boom gone. Yeah. And while there have been some bumps, it has never been a bad defense in mm-hmm. spite of all they've lost it's because they've been able to re- replace the personnel so well yeah huh uh scouting staff i really admire yeah uh 
28, the Ravens take Denzel Mims, receiver from Baylor. That's a bit early, too. Yeah, yeah. You could have gone a lot of wide receivers here. Justin Jefferson would have been a consideration. Mims, what I loved, he prides himself in his run blocking. Doesn't that fit the Ravens so well? Also, he's got size. He's got a track background. I think he'll run a 4'4 at 205 pounds and 6'2". Um, so I think he could very easily slip into the end of round one. And the Ravens, I think, uh, would be a nice fit, especially since the top interior linebackers were gone at this point. I could even see him going higher than this in part because mm-hmm. of the blocking skills. He's the, ki- he's the kind of prospect that I- you see certain coaches just falling completely in love with him mm-hmm. because he does all the little things really well beyond just the typical job description of a, a wide receiver one. Yeah. All right. Uh, now 29th, the Titans take Ross Blacklock, the defensive tackle from uh, TCU. I could have gone a million directions. I almost had DeAndre Swift going as kind of the Alvin Kamara to Derrick Henry's Mark Ingram type mm-hmm. thinking. I could have gone with an interior offensive lineman, whether it's Biadash or even Cesar Ruiz, the talented uh, center from Michigan. In the end, though, I went with the defensive line because I think, you know, him, Simmons, and Jarrell Casey could really be a formidable uh, front three, and he's rising up boards as well. Who's the best exit available right now? Because that's a, that's an area that I think they could look to upgrade. Yes, I you consider that. You could see Gross that. Mattis out of uh, Tennessee. Yeah, or uh, Julian Okawara from Notre Dame, whose upside is unlimited, or Zach Bond even. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next up, at number 30, we have the Packers taking Josh Jones, the tackle from Houston. He's rising up so quickly. By the time I wrote this to the time we published it, I'm worried he's too low. Two days ago, he might have seemed too high. Now he feels too low. McShay just came out with his big board. He had him ranked 201st in his last version. Now he's 18th. So Jones is rising. Why? Rising, rising, rising. The more people watch him, the more, you know, he had a really good senior bowl too. He was, I wrote, he was the only offensive tackle come game time because guys like Ben Barch, Prince Tegawanagu, Trey Adams, all those guys weren't healthy. So really, Josh Jones was the only guy who looked like he belonged. He's got so much talent as a pass protector, but also showed some nice versatility, playing right tackle, left tackle, good run blocking. So he's really rising up boards. And yeah, he was the pick over uh, one of our guys, Austin Jackson, for example. What do you think of that, Mace? Do you think Josh Jones at 30 for the Packers makes sense? Maybe, but I think the quality of wide receivers that are still on this board uh, potentially mm. uh, means you go in a different direction. I think also, even though Wanogu at the moment is kind of off the radar because he wasn't down at the Senior Bowl because yeah. he was hurt, I think he's still somebody in play for the Packers. But they need to upgrade the receiver core, uh, give Aaron Rodgers another weapon. I think they're, the Packers are in the mode of picking the guy that helps them most right now. And let's say LaVisca's on the board. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's say T. Higgins has dropped this far. There's going to be, you know, Jalen Rager could give them some speed that they need Justin from Jefferson. that position. Justin Jefferson. There, There's going to be quality here, guys that can step in right away and have huge roles for a Packer team that feels like it's maybe one piece away. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, 31 now. The San Francisco 49ers, because they're losing the Super Bowl, uh, <laughs> take C.J. Henderson, the cornerback from Florida. So says Vegas. Uh, yeah, Henderson. Uh, I Boy, this, this corner class after Okuda, the top 12 guys are so fluid. The combine is really going to split a lot of hairs. 
Henderson still thought of fairly highly and fits that scheme because he's not the tackling liability that Christian Fulton is. He's not, but I could still see them taking Christian Fulton. I think that defensive backfield is going to be a big area of need for the 49ers going into this offseason. Okay. Right. Right. Uh, and then the final pick of the first round and the final pick of Andre's mock draft. At 32, the Kansas City Chiefs take Troy Pride Jr., the cornerback from Notre Dame. Yep, another guy. I mean, fits right into what I was just saying about the corner co- cornerback class, how fluid it is, not ranked as highly by some. Brian Kelly over um, in Mobile was saying how uh, he could run a 4-3. And you look at what he did in Mobile, how sticky of a man corner he is, he'd fit that scheme really nicely. And don't sleep on this kid. I was a really, really impressed with him. Don't forget also, we're in the realm of the first round here where you have Jordan Love going early, but if he's falling into the 20s and even in the early 30s, like if he's sitting yeah. there at 32, yeah. somebody trades back into round one and takes him. Oh, yeah. Just like that. Gets that fifth-year option, yep. which may not exist a year from now. Yeah. Mm, good point. All right. That's going to do it for our mock draft. Um, how do you guys think that that went in terms of the Broncos? Like when you look at who's kind of falling into the second round as well, they have a pick coming up. They get worse. Overall, do you think that this is ideal? You know, th- there were a bunch of guys that they would have liked that go right before. Thoughts? You could do a lot worse than Wirfs and Ruggs staring you in the face at 15, I tell you what. Think so? Absolutely. Yeah. I think uh, – if that's how the board falls, then you're breathing a sigh of relief that winning that last game, Shelby Harris breaking up that pass yeah. in the end zone, did not cost you too much, and there's still a lot of quality sitting out there at wide receiver for round two. You got Ayuk uh, out of Arizona State, Brandon Ayuk, mm-hmm. who uh, did not uh, take part last week. You still got um, Michael Pittman Jr. You still got Jalen Rager potentially mm-hmm. on the board, Justin Jefferson perhaps, uh, K.J. Hamler st- potentially right. still out there. Right. You got a lot of guys, and I think uh, it's fair to say you can go receive a round two and uh, get somebody who helps you right away. Yeah. All right. Uh, when we come back from this break, we're going to get into your questions, and uh, we'll see you then. What's up, guys? Ryan Konigsberg here, and I got to tell you about the Blake Street Tavern. It's my favorite sports bar in town, as evidenced by the fact that we had our fantasy draft there. It's where I watched Super Bowl 48. It's where I watched CU win a Pac-12 basketball championship back in the day. Uh, it's the place to be for any sporting event. It's the biggest bar in town. I always joke you could land a 747 in there. It was named the National Sports Bar of the Year in 2017 by Nightclub and Bar Magazine. It wins Best Sports Bar in Denver seemingly every year from Westward and anyone else that's voting. It's the place to be. Uh, they've got great specials, and the food is out of this world. I recommend the nachos, the green chili fries. Uh, the Buffalo Chicken Wrap, you name it, they've got it. And the location is perfect. Just two blocks north of Coors Field, and they have parking. So go check out the Blake Street Tavern. All right. Uh, time to get into the questions. And the Big Tabowski really helped us out with a few. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's been a while since we did a true draft pod. It so has been. We've got some catching up to I do. I know. It it's getting like. backed up. All right. Uh, first, from the Big Tabowski. Hey, guys. Not commented in a few weeks as it's been crazy busy. Something I've wanted to say, however, is that Isaiah Simmons is a beast. What can't he do? He's number three on my board, and I'd only pick Thomas, Young, and Burrow ahead of him. Mm. No one else. If Jerry Judy is on the board at 15 and Wirfs and Epinesa and Lamb and Ruggs, you take Simmons if he's there. He's a difference maker on defense, elite play at middle linebacker, and safety in year one. 
Wide receiver and tackle, a need, sure, but this kid is a different class. We need to cover tight ends better, especially with Waller, Kelsey, and Henry in our division, and this is the answer. Wide receiver and offensive line in round two and three. Now the bad news. We'll need to trade up to get him. Question is, should we? Over and out, the big T. If you trade up to get him, that means you're sacrificing some of that draft capital in round two and three that you want to use on receiver and O-line in this scenario. So I'd have to say no. I'd have to agree, and I come back to, you know, Fangio's extremely high standards for his linebackers. Does he need a hybrid guy? Or does he just need a good, rangy, smart cover linebacker in the middle of his defense? And could that scheme help? You know, like Kelsey put up numbers, Waller put up numbers. Some of that is by design to avoid big plays from other areas, you know. So, yeah, I don't know. I I love him too, but, yeah, I, I don't think I'd pull the trigger. Yep, I agree. Uh, as as badly as I want him, as, as much as I've fallen in love with him over the course of the season – you you can't trade up to take him. There there are too many other needs. Mm-hmm. It's uh. you're not at that point in your development. Remember when the Falcons right. kind of suicided their whole draft to get Julio Jones? Oh yeah, and it worked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that was a team that uh, was closer. They had the co- they they had a veteran quarterback. They'd filled a lot of other needs. They could afford to do that. The Broncos, they're not at that point in their development yeah. just yet. Maybe next year, they could be in position. But they need another good all round draft. There's still a lot of holes on this roster. Yeah, agreed. Bronco agreed. Nugs. Kelsey did amazing in the Chiefs' offense. Why can't Noah Fant become like that for our offense with a new OC? You said everyone but Fant would benefit. I really feel like this might be perfect for him with his speed. And then says, that was for the other pod, but I have a similar question for you guys on Fant and how he would be used now in this offense. And I'm curious if the top offensive target for us changes with a new hire and how does it affect our top prospects? Well, first of all, I think Fant will do fine with Pat Shermer. I think... uh, Maybe there's some more possibilities for him. Maybe less blocking. Mm-hmm. Maybe use a little bit more of that Joker tight end, like Evan Ingram. Yes, I'd be disappointed if Noah Fant doesn't push for ten touchdowns, seven hundred yards. I think you'd have to be agreed. Yeah, yeah watch. Uh, go back and read my film room, and I, I have a clip there from the Giants where Daniel Jones is doing an RPO that freezes the linebackers just enough where Evan Ingram flies by them and gets wide open for a big touchdown. I think that's a lot of where you could see Fant. The beauty of Fant, like Ingram, is all of a sudden you see, oh, 11 personnel, a running back and a tight end. It's really not, though, because mm-hmm. he's like a fourth receiver. So that's where you're really going to put defenses in tough spots. And if Shermer and Locke can get on the same page, big things could happen for Fant. And if Noah Fant can block, because that's what really unlocks no. everything. No. If, if you If you are worried about him as a blocker as well, then you're trying to figure out how to match up with him and have right. to f- have to factor that into your decision-making. That will open up so much more for well, him. Well, he's a willing blocker. He's not yes. very technically sound, but he's willing. That's the difference between him and Julius Thomas, mm-hmm. for example. Mm-hmm. So Good I think mm. over time he will make himself into a capable enough mm-hmm. blocker. He's at least an obstruction, mm-hmm. and, uh, and that'll help you out. The other question from Bronco Nuggs about, does a top offensive target change with the new hire of, of Pat Shermer? I don't really think so. I would say it does kind of expand the type of prospects you're looking for. For example, before the changes, I don't think Mekhi Becton would have been on their board at all. I think now he is. Right, right. Yep, yep, absolutely. All right, uh, next question comes in from Pastor Rhett. Gentlemen, hat tip. Uh, First off, having both Hank and Andre on the draft pod has been dope. Chemistry is fire. Keep it up. Love that. Hope I didn't spoil it. No, <laughs> this has been amazing. Uh, 
Secondly, does hiring Shermer change what traits Denver is looking for across the O-line in the draft? And how does this change Connor McGovern in the eyes of the staff? I really think Mays just talked about that with Becton. What about McGovern, though? What do you see with that? Uh, I think they've been trending away from him. Yeah. And I think this was before the Pat Shermer hire. I think this is kind of independent of that. The thing is, Connor McGovern, somebody may give him the type of contract that Carolina gave Matt Paradis. I don't think the Broncos necessarily perceive him to be worth that sort of money right now. I certainly don't. It's all trending from every indication. We're reading tea leaves right now, but uh, I'd be surprised if Connor McGovern is back. I would, too. I think a slightly better scheme fit now, but not enough to where you'd give him anything close to Paradis money. How, do, how does Paradis compare to McGovern? You know, well, as very free different. agents, you think so. You think very there is a big different. gap. Yeah, well, I mean, Paradis was more accomplished, smarter, better IQ, more of a tight system fit and position fit. He was only a center and only a center in his own scheme. McGovern could play guard. He could play center. He's more of a power guy, but he's got enough movement. We forget he was a left tackle in the SEC sometimes. But he just hasn't shown that consistency yet in tape that Paradis showed at his best. So. Okay. Um Pastor Brett continued, is the hashtag gov to guard movement dead? Kind of answered that already. Mm-hmm. Uh, my first thought is that the likelihood of running more power, gap scheme stuff, puts us in the market for a bigger guy at right guard to make those concepts work. Anyways, thanks, guys. Pastor Brett. It's also possible. And we, I mean, right now I've got the Broncos taking Worfs, but uh, Brandon Scherf could be on their radar mm, in free agency yes. as well. Yes, and that please. would certainly change uh, what they were looking for and uh, – if Scherf is there with Dalton Reisner coming back, then there's not really a spot for an offensive lineman to play right away unless you're uh, drafting a center and and, le- and you don't think Patrick Morris is the answer. This is assuming you lose McGovern. If they if they sign Scherf in free agency, I think when the, the Broncos go offensive line moves to round three and beyond, and you're looking for developmental guys and seeing where they are in a year. Yeah. Okay, so we haven't recorded this podcast in a while, and this comment really goes to show – Exactly that. Uh, yeah. So Ubeni Lava is here, and he says, Hey, boys, as I've been religiously doing my daily mocks, I've noticed that we have a real chance to make some amazing acquisitions in the third round with our three picks. The names that will be available, or likely available, are insane. Here are some players that I think could contribute at a high level in the rookie years that we could get in the third round. First, Lucky Foe 2. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Still relevant. Second, Patrick Queen. He's yeah. off the board. Yeah, off yep. the board. Yeah, he's a first rounder <laughs> yeah. in Dre's mock. Najee Harris. Yeah, d- staying in school. Yep. Saban recruited yep. him well. <laughs> Lloyd Cushenberry the third. Yeah, he's gone. He's gone. <laughs> yep. uh, Devin Duvernay. <sighs> sure, uh, he, I he might be there just I because th- a lot of teams are going to project him as a slot, and uh, those guys tend to drop. Did he show you anything in Mobile? I almost, I almost forgot he was there until I saw him in the game. I, yeah, he was. What he, an underwhelming week he, he had. He was kind of invisible until yeah. the game, and uh, maybe he's just a gamer. Yeah. We'll see. But certainly the more impressive uh, receiver, if you're comparing him with, say, K.J. Hill, K.J. Hill was the more impressive oh, guy on a day-to-day basis down in Mobile. So I'd say Duvernay will be there in round three, maybe even slipping to round four. Yeah. All right. Uh, Calvin Throckmorton. He got abused in the uh, game. Yes, that was he did. terrible. But he's playing tackle. That is not his position. We knew that all too well. He was at the shrine, right? I believe so, yeah. Did he stand out at all? He didn't stand out. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh Antoine Winfield Jr. Love, love him. him. Really love him. Love him. Don't know if he'd be ar- around. But if he's around in round three, 
maybe you break the round three cornerback curse. Oh, yeah, and I think he'd fit because he's got that versatility. So. Yep. 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 Ace knocked on wood, so there you go. Yes. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the list. Uh, just crazy how things have changed in two weeks. That's the draft for you. Yeah. With no games played. No games played. That's why we call it the silly season. What do y'all think? Anybody, uh, oh, I was originally thinking we could use one of our thirds and our second to move back into the first and grab someone, but I'm not sure that's the best move now with all the talent in the third, especially if we get a receiver and O-line in the first two rounds. I'd still be okay with that if you get an O-lineman at 15. Let's say Tristan Wirfs is your guy at 15. I'd still be okay with taking a couple of thirds and uh, moving and take or taking one third that second moving up into the late first round and uh, going receiver kind of make a preemptive strike and then wait and use your two third round picks on other guys yeah, yeah. i like that if and you then grab a late round receiver too if you could do it for your la the last of your third round picks say that the one that you got in trade from the 49ers yeah. for Emmanuel sanders not the one of the first two all right um we also have a oh the big tabowski replied to that uh, Najee Harris isn't declaring. Bummer was hoping he would bring the thunder to our already elite lightning. There are some other thumpers available later on, though. A.J. Dillon, anyone? He's a he's a thumper. He's been very productive, kind of at his best year as a freshman. Um, yeah, I'd consider it. I don't think they need a thumper. I think they need more, just more talent at running back in general. Yeah, yeah. We, we've talked a lot about these running backs in that third round area, are there any that stand out to you, Mace? In the third round area, mm, man, I think once you get past like uh, Dobbins and Jonathan Taylor, and I think they're both round two guys, I'm uh, willing to, to sit and, and wait a little bit. Uh, I'm intrigued by Antonio Gibson as a chess piece okay. running back mm -hmm. in round four that you can also use at receiver from time to time. I was impressed given his relative lack of experience at running back with how well he was reading the lanes and hitting him hard. One cut and go. This guy doesn't dance. Accelerates quickly. And in this offense, that hole isn't going to be gaping. It's going to flash open. You've got to accelerate quickly. You've got to be decisive. And, and uh, he showed some signs of being able to do that. I'd love him with one of the fourth-round picks. The beauty of Gibson is he then also gives you that vertical threat as a wide receiver, which sometimes they don't need rugs. They just need that speed threat to open things up. I've, I've compared it to like a good three-point shooter in basketball. Mm -hmm. It just opens up the spacing for you. And it makes so. it harder to defend pre-snap because you can right. change the formation without changing personnel. Right. I love that. And you can move him around. I want to see them move Noah Fant around a little more too. But Right. Uh, it's my yeah. favorite part of Visca. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I like yeah. chess piece, guys. Mm -hmm. And Antonio Gibson in the right scheme with the – with a creative offensive coordinator, I think he's going to be a terrific prospect. Yeah, for sure. All right. Um, where are we now? Now we are back to uh, Chris. On Lone Star Bronco. Oh, yeah. Yeah. As many others do, I do about three to four mock drafts on the Draft Network Simulator. Ruggs is there every time at 15. Is this likely? Obviously, the combine will affect this. Was in my mock draft. We'll see when he potentially breaks the record for fastest 40 at the combine, <laughs> which some are predicting. Then he might go higher. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that could change things. Also, Tyler Biotish is there about 80% of the time with the Broncos' first third-round pick. Seems very strange to me. How accurate is this thing? Looking forward to senior bowl coverage. There's a there's an area where I could see him being available mm -hmm. in round three. And if he's, if he's there top of round three, the value is tremendous because yes. he's somebody you can put in and – start right away and 
you don't get many plug-and-play guys early in round three to start immediately like he can be. Right. And you also asked, uh, how accurate is this thing? Yeah. Eh. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. It's, I mean, they're using their composite rankings. Yeah. So, like, someone's 73 on one of their analyst boards. Another guy is 20th, so they're they're making an average, right? Yep. So it's if you've gone wide receiver in round one, I think Biotish in round two would make a lot of sense. I do, too. Mm-hmm. Cushionberry as well. Either one of them I think uh-huh. you'd be happy with. Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, let's see. Oh, I lost it again. Um. Big Tabowski said that Biotish made it to round two oh, on yeah. just one of my drafts on the draft machine and said, Big Tabowski says, I've done hundreds of these things. No way he falls to round three IMO. And I do believe, Big Tabowski, you have done hundreds of these things. I do, too. I'm yeah. impressed with your knowledge. Yeah. World of Suck. <laughs> By the way, congratulations on that being the quote of the year. <laughs> Amazing. In the DNVR Goaties. Real quick on the draft, I've been wanting a wide receiver in the first round for a few months now, actually, way before it was cool in Broncos country. But I'm changing my tune a bit here now. Unless Lamb or Judy slip to 15, I would rather trade back 5 or 10 spots in the first to grab a receiver or take my receivers on day two. I did a mock draft this morning where I got K.J. Hill out of Ohio State in the third and Denzel Mims out of Baylor in the early fourth. Oof. Can see that first one, can't see that second one. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Of course, mocks aren't always accurate, but I also could have gone with Michael Pittman, DuVernay, or Gabriel Davis in those Mm. slots. I love Ruggs and Visca, but I just don't know that they are worth that much more than some of these day two or even day three guys. I think it might be better to bulk up in the trenches in round one and get some receivers later on. Here's how this approach played out in my mock. First, Epinesa, Edge. Second, Wanogo, offensive tackle. Third, KJ Hill, receiver. Third, Biotish, interior offensive line. Third, Edwards Hilaire, running back. Fourth, Denzel Mims, receiver. Fourth, Richie Grant, safety. I would have preferred to get Rager or Hamler in the second round, but that didn't pan out, so I took the lineman instead. Thoughts? Yeah, I mean... You're happy if that's how things end up. The value with Edwards, Hilaire, Mims, and even Biotish with the second third rounder is just insane. I think it's if Biotish and KJ Hill were there in round three, I think I'd probably go Biotish with the first third round pick and KJ Hill with the second, because KJ Hill... He's not going to have the vertical speed that right. pushes him up draft boards. His skill set screams slot type of guy, and that's the guy you're picking late third into the fourth, yeah. fifth round. Agreed. But I like Hill a lot. I mean, oh, he was. I think everyone. I think everyone's going Gaga over that one-handed catch where Jordan Love threw it behind him oh, and yeah. reached back with his left hand and pulled it in and didn't lose his stride. That was an impressive play, and I think that's kind of why he's the flavor of the moment right now. And but I think he'll end up settling late third to fourth round. Yep. Yep. Um, also, falling, uh, he, he's falling on uh, Ruggs and uh, Visca, which I think Trading is interesting. down, right, mm-hmm. right, right. Yep. Yeah, and we talked about that approach with Visca specifically and how you'd trade down, add a little draft capital. That'd make a lot of sense. Bigger thing is if one of those top four offensive tackles is there staring you in the face, that might be harder to trade down from than one. Yep. You know. Yeah, and I could see how you would see that with rugs just because there are some more speed threats mm-hmm. coming up with, you know, Reg or, or uh, Brandon, Hill, Ayuk. Hamler, or uh, Hamler. Yeah. yeah. So, so you have some of those options with Visca though. He's so unique that he doesn't really fit into those. And so if, if, if you like him, I think that you have to take him. Whereas if you take, if, if you like rugs and you could say, well, we really like rugs, but we also have something similar that we can snag later on. Yep. Um, but again, that is pretty rich. Uh, the big Tabowski says, Hey guys, I did post this to Mason Andre while at the combine, but for some reason they didn't read it out. 
I'm guessing I was too late, although I did think they were going to answer the unanswered questions in the next pod. Can you rank these receivers in terms of speed, agility, catchability, slot route running, and what round do you think they'll go? I believe they're all at the Senior Bowl and hopefully will be available in the second round and beyond and to resolve our void of a speedy receiver in the slot. K.J. Hill, Devin DuVernay, Van Jefferson, like him, uh, Brandon Ayuk. Feel free to add someone who is small and speedy that I have missed off or don't know about. Love the big T. Of those four, I think the draft order they end up going in is Ayuk, Jefferson, Mm -hmm. and then... uh, Jefferson ahead of Hill. Yeah, and then K.J. Hill and then DuVernay. Oh, wow. I'd I'd add uh, Courtney Davis to that, who might be the fastest of the group. I think Vance Jefferson is the most agile. Catchability... That's a tough one. I don't love the catchability of any of them. Probably K.J. Hill. Uh, slot route running. Again, it's K.J. Hill. So that speaks highly about him. Um, yeah, I think Hill, like round three. I think Duvernay drops to day three. I think Jefferson is in that late day two, early day three. And Ayuk will be in the top 50. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, and Big Tabowski again. <laughs> Because <laughs> that's what happens when we don't do these for yeah. two weeks. Uh, had to share my most perfect mock with you. I bought a subscription to TDN and can now trade on their mock draft simulator. And he's got two of them here because he has one, and then he says, I'm not sure if this one is better. So It is addictive. Yes. According to him. Okay. So uh, the first one, traded down to 21, took Visca. Number 46, AJ Terrell. 53, Lucas Nyang. 83, uh, Biadage. 96, Van Jefferson. 108, Jerron Elliott for the defensive end, uh, 117, Akeem Davis Gather, the linebacker, 161, Alex Taylor, tackle, 214, Tipa Galilea, linebacker. Um, that's a lot of picks. Isn't that uh, like if, if I were to trade down and get extra picks, oh, I would no. be, I would be. And don't forget, the comp picks are probably going to bring the Broncos three more selections. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be 12 when all is said and done. Yeah, that's going to be a lot. I, I, how if many they have twelve picks and they keep and they and they end up finishing with, say, even eleven, ten or eleven picks, I want one of them to be a, to be a punter. Huh? I, I, I a, agree. I, I, I think a that's punter. a good take. Yep. I, I think you have to, even uh, if I'm, you bring in a free agent to still draft one, give a guy a shot. Braden Mann's got a cannon. He does. Out of Texas a and He does. I'd love to see a day three pick on him. My roommate is a uh, former FCS kicker. So I get all of the uh, kicker-punter evaluations. <laughs> but that, I know that that's a guy who that's he's super insights. into. The ball just, it's kind of the cliche, but it, it sounds differently <laughs> coming yeah, off yeah. his foot. It, it's, like you said, it explodes off yep. his foot. Yeah. And and he's got he's short, so he's got kind of such a quick uh, a wind-up and gets the ball away. So he, I think he only had one block punt at Texas a Wow. So. Yeah. Okay. Um, Big Tabowski posted another one that he thought might be better. Gets oh he moves up to twelve to take Isaiah Simmons. Okay, that's okay to twelve to get Simmons if he's there. That's the sort of trade up I'm down with. Yep. But moving up to five or six, I think that's a bridge too far. But to twelve if he's there, and I don't think Isaiah Simmons will be there at twelve. I don't. Let me either. just go on the record yeah. saying that. But if he is, then that would make a lot of sense. Yeah. All right. Uh, so twelve Isaiah Simmons, seventy KJ Hill, eighty Biadage. 81, Trey Adams the tackle, 
95, Darnay Holmes, a cornerback. 96, Jordan Elliott, defensive end. 135, Alex Taylor, the tackle. 158, A.J. Dillon, running back. 222, Benjamin Victor, receiver. Any names stand out to you guys there? I'd like to know where Antonio Gibson went in this uh, draft, Mm. in this mock. Hmm. Because I'm not sure. I I think I'm going a little upside here, but I kind of like him as that uh, running back at 158 rather than Dillon if he's on the board. Oh, yeah, for sure. And Alex Taylor you might be able to get a little bit later too. Interesting how he was able to get Biadash in both of these. Man, Trey Adams. Uh, the upside's nice, but I just I have a hard time selling myself on him. But that the thing is, though, with tackles, you have the luxury of going upside. Yeah, yeah. Because right. you do have your starters for 2020. Right. And, and Jawan James, people are like, oh, I know. What if he's not healthy? Jawan James has that weird pattern, guys, of being healthy every other year. So until that changes, I'm expecting Juwan James to start at least 15 games in 2020 for the Broncos. And if he does start, what do you expect from him? I expect he'll play well. He w- he played well the first half against Houston. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, Drew Locke did some good things. It was a dynamic offense. I don't think it was a huge coincidence that the offense functioned at its best with Juwan James at right tackle. Yeah, okay. good point there. Okay. Pretty fair point. Okay, I think that's it for all the questions. Yeah. Sweet. Um, is there anything else you guys want to talk about? No, I think we've covered it Had pretty thoroughly with those other? questions, <laughs> too. <laughs> 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 all right. Well, we will be back next week, um, at least Dre and I. Maybe we can convince Mace to come back to uh, talk about the draft again um, because that's what we do here. Yeah. Thanks, as always, for listening. Uh, we'll see you then. Ah, mm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.